Blog Talk Radio. This life is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. somber moment uh, for us. It should be for the world. Uh, There are very few days in the history of humankind that stand out and and shout, as a result of this day, nothing will ever be the same. Uh, The 7th of October of this year, uh, Shabbat morning, when somewhere around 2,500 Islamic jihadists from Gaza decided that they would rampage into Israel, rape little girls, burn little babies alive, mutilate children in front of their parents. They murdered on that day some 1,400 Jews. They kidnapped over 200 more. It was the most savage display of inhumanity that the world had witnessed in, well, well over a thousand years. And it's not just the horror, the cruelty, the sadistic nature of what Islam did to the terrorists who attacked the Jews on this day. The reason that this day changed the world forever is because the way the world has responded to it. The United Nations is trying to stir up the next Holocaust. Russia, China are in with both feet as if reopening the doors of Auschwitz. Muslims around the world are enraged, out hunting Jews, beating them up, killing them, 
marking their homes and businesses. It's no different than things were back in Nazi Germany other than Muslims are far more egregious, far more sadistic than the Nazis. And there's far more of them. And there is no cure for what ails them. And the world ignored the advice that I proclaimed some 22 years ago, when after a meeting, Al-Qaeda, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, within a month of the Islamic suicide bombings of the World Trade Center in 2001, and listening to them explain that they were following Allah's orders, that they were being good Muslims when they killed 3,000 Americans on 9-11. I took it upon myself to become an expert in the Islamic scriptures. That's a little unfair. Yahweh asked me to become an expert and then report what I learned. And it didn't take long before I realized that the jihadists that perpetrated 9-11 had not corrupted their religion. Their religion had corrupted them. And as I continued to study and read just how horrific the Quran was, it's easily the worst book ever written. Muhammad would qualify as the worst human who ever lived. It became obvious to me that there was only three ways out of this problem, or it would consume the world. And today, as I speak to you, in the wake of 10-7, there's only one of those that will have any effect because it is 20 years too late for the first two. But what I told everyone who would listen back then is that the first thing that we have to do is to treat this like a disease, that Islam is a disease, that it infects people's ability to be moral, to think. It makes them virulent, deadly, far worse than the Black Plague. It's not my opinion, it's a statement of fact. And because Islam is so horrific, so deadly, so prone to terror, so anti-Semitic. The only way to protect innocent life from it was to quarantine it. To do exactly the opposite of what Angela Merkel did to Europe, where he brought millions of these diseased Muslims into the continent. Any disease this deadly can only be remedied if it is quarantined. We have to allow Muslims to live among themselves, but not affect anyone else. The second thing I said is that we have to stop funding our own demise. And that as the Western world continued to buy oil, the black ooze underneath the soils of 
Kuwait and Saudi Arabia and Qatar, that all we were doing is providing weapons to the jihadists who would ultimately kill us. And what I predicted then is evident now that the world is so enraged at Israel's attempt to resolve the problem of Hamas that this is going to trigger divisions that ultimately lead to world war with China and Russia and Iran and Iran's proxies on one side, the United States, Europe and Saudi Arabia on the other. And realizing this, the, the second step that had to be done is that the West had to stop selling weapons and stop enriching the Islamic fiefdoms. That might have sounded extreme back then, but it was nonviolent. No one is harmed as a result, and innocent life is spared. None of the 1,400 Jews who died on October 7th, almost a month ago, would have died if that had occurred. The third thing I said then is the only thing I think is, has merit today, which is to expose and condemn the religion using evidence and reason to wield its own scriptures against it. And we're going to do that again tonight. I'm going to begin uh, tonight talking about the Islamic creation stories and what they foretell in terms of just how utterly stupid right. Muhammad and Allah actually were, and that it isn't in anyone's interest to prop this religion up as if it were great, that if it were po uh, peaceful, as if it were something that contributed to humanity. It needs to be mocked and then obliterated. Now, as we uh, proceed this evening, I, I, I want to reiterate something that I've said each of the last four weeks. And that is that Israel is in a situation that it cannot win. True. Israel was going to be condemned by the world, and it's only going to get worse, for doing nothing. And it's condemned by the world for responding. Yeah. To bomb uh, Gaza uh, is, from the world's perspective, condemnable. Now, Russia said uh, Israel has no reason to uh, right to protect itself because they're an occupying nation. No, they're not. They're not occupying Gaza. They haven't occupied Gaza uh, since uh, Bush forced them to give it away, what, 20 years ago. There are no Jews living in Gaza. The fact of the matter is that, uh, that there are no Palestinians in Gaza either. There's no such thing as a Palestinian. And if you go back prior to the formation of Israel, it was an outdoor prison being maintained by the Egyptians who want nothing to do with the people living there. They won't even open up the gate into the Sinai, and all they have in the Sinai is 
massive amounts of desert. Yep. And today there's video out, the most gruesome video I think I've seen in a long time, just because of the nature of it, is that Hamas has gunned down women and children with their precious few belongings walking because they don't have any vehicles on roads out of Gaza so that they no longer serve as human shields to these despots, these sadistic beasts, and so that they can go south and get out of the war that they did not cause. And what is Hamas doing? They're gunning them down in the streets. They're killing women and children in cold blood. And then just leaving them in the street as a warning to anyone else who isn't willing to serve as a human shield for the monsters of Hamas. Is the world condemning it? Of course not. But that's the reality. The reason Israel cannot prevail is that the problem isn't Hamas. Even if Israel could kill every Hamas leader and the vast majority of the Hamas jihadists, it wouldn't make any difference whatsoever. They all deserve to die. Sure. Would I applaud their death? Absolutely. But it'll make no difference because... Hamas is simply a symptom of this problem. And until Israel comes to realize that the problem is Islam, you're wasting your time. You cannot beat back a disease by treating the symptoms. Right. And Islam is the disease. You know it's true. You're just afraid to say it. Now, how is it that Iran, the theocracy, is able to use Sunni Muslims as proxies, other than they're both Muslims. And as Muslims, the Quran orders them to hate Jews. Allah demonizes Jews, calls them apes and swine. And so if you were to interview Muslims almost anywhere in the world, they'll tell you, yeah, Jews are demons. They're apes and swines. When you dehumanize people, it makes them easier to kill. And that's what's happening. And yet the Muslims are killing for a God who is actually Satan. And it's so obvious that all one has to do is read the Quran with an open mind, apply any degree of logic to it, mm-hmm. set it into the context of the Hadith, which comprise Sunnah. And the first conclusion is, Muhammad's dumb as a stone. Mm-hmm. Allah's no smarter. But they have an exceptionally sadistic and evil bent. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do what we can to help Israel with the third leg of that solution since it's too late to impose the first two. And at least it may buy them some time. Our primary objective, however, is something that we will return to in these programs, which is awakening Yisrael 
Israel. Yehudem, Jews. To Yahweh. They have forgotten their God. They have been insolent towards him. The more religious they are, the more abusive they are of the relationship he intended. The more progressive they are, the more ignorant they are of who he actually is. And so our primary mission here is to herald Yahweh's return with the Messiah and Son of God, who is not the fellow that Jews have been conditioned to despise. The Messiah and Son of God is Dote, whose name you've corrupted to David. So we will continue. Um, now I'm going to uh, take us back to, I think this is chapter 5 of uh, Goddamn Religion. Portions of the initial draft have been posted so that our listeners know where I am on, uh, on this. Um, I was able to completely rewrite the first 450 pages of what was Prophet of Doom uh, and now is Goddamn Religion. And then I decided to go back to the beginning and um, rewrite it, rewrite the rewrite, if you will. And I'm on, uh, uh, I think, page 250 of the rewrite of the rewrite. So we were, are within uh, that section as we uh, proceed tonight. And my goal is that I want the results to be exceedingly biting. I've studied the Iowa's prophets, and I know that at times like this, the style, the approach that Yahweh favors is that of Elia. Mm-hmm. And Elia was exceedingly sarcastic, biting. He attacked with full vengeance the politics and the religion of his day. Elia took the approach that I'm taking, which is not only to mock the religious and to mock the political and to destroy their credibility. But Elia did something else that very few people are willing to do. He put his life on the line when the odds were tens of thousands, if not millions to one against him. There was no one else who was willing to say the same things, the things that needed to be said. And he was opposed by the religious and political establishment of his country. And yet he was bold, blunt, aggressive. I've heard rumors that as I shared bits and pieces of uh, the first rewrite of Goddamn Religion last week, there are some that think that it's too sarcastic, that it's too harsh. I'm here to tell you that the primary purpose of the rewrite of the rewrite was to make it harsher. I don't like (laughs) Satan. I've got a thing against rape. I don't like pedophilia. I don't like terrorists. I don't like mass murderers. I don't like Islam. 
I despise Muhammad and Allah. I'm not afraid of them. This notion of Islamophobia is the dumbest idea that progressives have ever perpetrated on an unthinking world. For someone to expose and condemn Islam, the last thing they are is afraid of it. Uh, for moral yep. grounds, I despise it. And so I mock it. And my mocking tone is designed not only to make this dark world accessible, because if there wasn't some humor to this, it would be very, very dark, too dark for most people to even endure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and second, I work for Yahweh. He is my full-time employer. Uh, that's all I do. You know, 14 hours a day, seven days a week, I work for Yahweh. And Yahweh has his standards. There's things that he expects. And when it comes to things like Islam, political religion, that is harming his people, he has chosen the approach that he likes that he thinks is the most effective. And it happens to be biting sarcasm. So with that in mind, I'll begin with this note. Islam's account of creation, or should I say accounts, is a wee bit less credible and just a touch less consistent than what you find in the opening chapter of Barashith, Genesis. There are over 100 of them, albeit there isn't a single one of them at the beginning of the Quran. (laughs) Are any of them tied together in a cohesive narrative? And the contrast between Yahweh's explanation, as it was revealed to Moshe in 1447 BCE, and Allah's slash Muhammad's absurdities some two thousand years later are stark to claim that they came from the same god is imbecilic from the english translations of the history of al tabari creation to the flood i'll begin with this tabari 1 188 jews came to the prophet and asked him about the creation of the heavens and the earth. Allah didn't provide a cogent explanation of our beginnings in his Quran, so Muhammad felt obliged to help him out. Now, the fact is, when we read things like this, the first thing you should know is they did not happen. This isn't an accounting of history, but instead a defense mechanism. Everything that has any merit at all in the Quran was plagiarized through the Talmud of the Torah. Everything. There's nothing in the Quran that even sounds even the least bit credible that wasn't pilfered from the Torah through the Talmud. And so Muhammad then took these stories that he paid to have recited to him, rabbis will make a buck on anything, and twisted them 
and then he claimed that the stories that he had paid rabbis to recite to him that he twisted to serve his own situation came from Allah. <laughs> so the rabbis <laughs> laughed at him. They mocked him. And Muhammad's response was to turn his God on them, to dehumanize them, to call them apes and swine so that he could murder them. Which is what he did. Didn't work out really very well for the rabbis or the Jewish community. Rabbis have never been an asset to the Jewish community. So after the fact, what the Quran and Hadith attempt to do is is to project on the Jews that they have now killed statements that endorse Islam and Muhammad and Allah as opposed to mock them. What are the Jews going to do? Put their heads back on their necks and complain? So this reads that Jews came to the prophet and asked him about the creation of the heavens and the earth. They did not do this. If they wanted to know about the creation of the heavens and the earth, they'd have read the Torah. He said, Allah created the earth on Sunday and on Monday. He created the mountains and their uses they possess on Tuesday. On Wednesday, he created trees, waters, cities, and cultivated and barren land. On Thursday, he created heaven. On Friday, he created stars, the sun, the moon, and angels until three hours remain. And the first of these three hours, he created the terms who would live and who would die. In the second, he created harm upon everything that is useful for mankind. And in the third, Adam, who had him dwell in paradise. Alrighty then. <laughs> so, first of all, did you notice how readily Muhammad was willing to speak for Allah? It's as if speaking mm-hmm. for his un-God was a regular part of his routine, almost as if he knew everything Allah knew. That's not saying much, however. Yet, judging by his answer, Muhammad may have done better if he had solicited some advice. This was insanely stupid. In Muhammad's version, the earth existed long before the stars, the sun, or the moon. Creating mountains and their uses somehow took precedence over trees, which mattered more than animals since they weren't even mentioned. Cities were conceived by the Islamic god and not man, and they would exist prior to the time man was created. Heaven was created after the fact because Allah has been excluded from it and wants to demean it. Then, while not having created animal life, Allah was preoccupied determining who would live and die. Finally, revealing his true identity, the snake cast harm on everything that could be potentially beneficial to humankind, even before having created man. This is known as rigging the game, which is really the only ploy that Satan has left. 
Then when Adam, a name pilfered from Yahweh, finally appears in paradise, he is neither on earth or in heaven. Uh, nicely done, <laughs> Muhammad. You are supremely convincing. Allah does not fare any better, however, when he says, I swear by the stars and the signs of the zodiac. And the opening uh. verse of the 85th surah. And he, unlike Yahweh, has no interest in developing a relationship with man. In Quran 51:56, Allah shares, I have created jinn, which are demons, and men only to worship me. Hmm. I do not want anything from them. Wow. Let's be perfectly clear since religions are confused. The idea of a superior being creating inferior ones to worship him is asinine, rendering the being insecure, narcissistic, and pathetic. And while that might be an adept portrayal of Allah, worship is well below God's dignity. Ah, This is something that Prior to Yahweh asking me to do this research on behalf of his people, I had never heard anyone say to anyone at any time, much less write it. But it's one of the most profound insights I could share with you, and it is ultimately destructive to Judaism, Christianity, and especially Islam, where Allah begs to be worshipped. Hmm. A superior being that would create an inferior being to worship him isn't worth knowing. That being would be narcissistic and insecure. Pathetic, really. If you and I had the ability to create a uh, slug well beneath us and we then did so so that we could scare the slime out of that slug to the point that the slug burped out platitudes saying, D is great, love Kirk. D is great, love Kirk. While genuflecting so that its little rear end mooned you all day while slurping out these platitudes. How long watch that slug burp out, you are great while mooning you with its hind end, if slugs have such a thing, before you would say, this was a really, really bad idea. (laughs) Face it, Max, worshiping God is asinine. (laughs) And guess who begs to worship Allah, Allah, oxen free, Mr. Allah himself, the snake in the desert. Mm. As strange as all that seems, why did the non-prophet contradict himself in his next statement? To body one, 189, the messenger took me by the hand. Oh, Muhammad could be such a, a friend. And, and said, Allah created the soil of on Saturday. Upon it, he created the mountains, which are not evidently comprised of soil, on Sunday. 
he created the trees on a Wednesday, scattered animals, which he had failed to create, on Thursday, and then he made Adam as the last of his creatures after the afternoon prayer on Friday. <laughs> uh, all, all it begins on a Saturday rather than a Sunday this time, uh, and in uh, a Monday. He's uh, had to take a much-needed rest on, uh, on Tuesday this time, and he forgot the city's water and cultivation, uh, and he dispensed with the creation of the sun, the moon, and the stars, as well as paradise in this rendering. Then Allah creates man after the afternoon prayer. So who was, who was, who was yeah. praying to whom? <laughs> These boys really needed an editor. I mean, that's, they needed yeah. a Jackie that could say, hey, you know, you may want to look at this. She's really nice about it. When I make a, uh, a goof, she, she'll put a little question mark in the margins or say, you, you may want to take a look at that. <laughs> the, the Jews asked the prophet, this is the body 189, the Jews asked the prophet, no, they didn't, but we'll play along. What about Sunday? Why would the Jews be concerned about Sunday? I, I don't know. Anyway, the messenger answered, on it, Allah created the earth and spread it out. <laughs> I guess we have a flat earth. Uh, they, asked, they, asked, they asked about Monday. And he replied, on it, he created Adam, forgetting that Adam had previously been created after the afternoon prayer on Friday. Oh, then, then, about Saturday, oh, that would be important to them, which, of course, Allah should have rested, and mentioned that God, whose name they would never dare speak, which is the only reason Islam exists, if they had actually said it, and there would have been no room for Allah, but they shot themselves in the foot by denying God's name. Don't let that happen to you if you are a Yisraelite mm-hmm. listening to this. God has a name. It is Yahweh. Then the prophet got very angry. So Allah then revealed to him, We have created the heavens and the earth, and what is in them in six days, and fatigue it did not touch us. <laughs> and this became... Oh, this became Quran 5038. It is interesting that Allah was of no help in providing Muhammad with a rational explanation of creation or even of keeping his story straight. But when it came time to embarrass the God of the Jews, he jumped right in with a handy Quranic revelation. He says in essence, my God is better than your God because my God didn't need to rest. But that's a problem for Muslims, because according to Islam, the gods are supposed to be the same. Huh. Need that editor again. You know, Mike is our fact checker. Maybe maybe if Mike had been available back then, he'd have helped them out. Even worse. Even worse for Team Islam, according to the prophet Yashaya Isaiah, the Babylonian lord who thought he was better than Yahweh, uh, his name, well, title, is Hasatan, the adversary. Yep. Unfortunately, Muhammad's testimony puts us in a quandary. It's too foolish 
to be from a literate man, which serves to affirm that he purchased Babylonian Talmud recitals from rabbis since his stories were grossly twisted variations of Genesis. I believe that the following hadith proves this point. This is from Bukhari. I'll dispense with the numbers because soon all of this will be reposted in its revised version, uh, and you'll be able to, uh, to read them online. A Jewish rabbi, Abdullah ben Salman, approached the messenger. He said, I'm going to ask you three things which nobody knows except a prophet. <laughs> How did the rabbi know them? <laughs> Nonetheless, I digress. What is the first portent of the hour? What will be the first meal taken in paradise? Why does a child resemble its father, and why does it resemble its mother? Hmm. Can't stump Allah's apostle. He said, no. Gabriel has just told me of the answers. Gabriel, from among all of the angels, is an enemy of the Jews. Before I deal with okay. the answers, Gabriel, very simple uh, uh, name. It's a uh, compound of two words, Gabor and El. Gabor is a very, very common term throughout the Torah and Prophets. Gabor is the most competent and courageous of men. Of men. Gabor is one of the Hebrew words for men. And El is God's title. So Gabor El, Gabriel, is God's most competent and courageous man. He's not a malach, much less an angel. Now, when you see his name and he appears to Daniel in, the, in that book, it's because Daniel wasn't a prophet. And it was important for this information to be conveyed to the children of Israel while they were a captive audience, literally, in Babylon. So Yahweh sent Dode between his uh, first and second lives to explain exactly what he himself was going to do. Because the prophet was needed and Daniel didn't qualify. Gabriel is not an angel. Gabriel as we learn when Gabor is used, in fact, even Gabor El is used in Yeshaya, Isaiah 9, 6. It speaks of being a courageous and competent man of God. Because Gabriel is Dode, David, God's most competent and courageous of all men. Um, he most certainly is not an enemy of the Jews. But as I've said to you, every bit of this is fabricated and projected on Jews because, well, after Muhammad killed them, it was easy to 
get an endorsement from them by making these stories up. Mm-hmm. There is no man in all of human history who was more supportive of Yehudim. He, in fact, was the most Yehud of all Yehudim. <laughs> he embodies what it means to be a Yehud. All right, now for the answers. Excuse my my rant, but um, my primary mission in life is to be Dode's Herald. I love the man. I serve him as well as Yahweh. And so when somebody says things that are stupid about Dode, those are fighting words for me. Okay, the first portent of the hour will be a fire that will bring the people from east to west. The first meal of paradise will be caudate lobe of fish liver. That's for the resemblance of a child to its parents. If a man has sexual intercourse with his wife and gets discharged first, the child will resemble him. And if the woman gets discharged first, that child will resemble her. (laughs) On that, this projection of a (laughs) rabbi said, I testify that you are the apostle of Allah and that the Jews are liars. They would have been if they were still alive. It's hard to believe that anyone believes that this is scripture or that Muhammad was saying. I have no doubt that Muhammad told one of his henchmen this sordid tale to impress him. But this conversation did not actually occur. Since the Torah provides an irrefutable test for determining who is and who is not a prophet. In Dabarim, Deuteronomy 18, a rabbi would have known it. And they might have even used it. Unable to read, Muhammad was unaware of it, so he made this story up. Further, the rabbis knew that Muhammad was a fraud. He was, after all, twisting their stories and then claiming that they were revealed to him by Allah. That was proof positive. He was lying. There is no portent of the hour. There are important dates. But should this have been the question, the answer would have been the fulfillment of Pesach and Matzah in 33 CE and the same with Kapodam and Sukkah in 2033. Mm-hmm. And since he has and will fulfill them, Dode would have um, answered those questions correctly. <laughs> yeah. I am certain that Pesach and Matzah are seared in his memory, and I think mm-hmm. there is no day that he has ever looked forward to more than Kapuram and Sukkah in 4,000 and 6,000 Yah. However, there has not been and will not be a fire that will bring people from the east to the west? Wrong question, wrong answer. <laughs> the first meal in Shamaim heaven will be, get you all one guess, what do you think it might be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lamb. <laughs> I, I think so. 
Yep. Uh, rack of lamb is going to be the uh, first meal in, uh, in heaven. First, I'm hoping it's garnished with a little uh, rosemary and maybe some roasted garlic, but, you know, that's just my personal preference. Um, but it will be lamb, um, as it is the lead item on the menu during the first of the Moed Mikre, Pesach yeah, Passover, and the first of the Mikre invitations to meet with God. The nonprofit was pulling the Kadet Lobe of Fish Liver out of his posterior. <laughs> now, for the third answer. A little explanation here might help. Dictators need sons to extend their range. Right? No, di- no son. The reign of a dictatorial dynasty comes to a crashing halt. Those without them blame their wives so as not to be seen as impotent and thus vulnerable. Henry VIII comes to mind. Without an heir, the infighting among rivals begins long before the potentate is dead. So we get the concept of a lame duck. So Muhammad, with a growing harem of young children and sex slaves to abuse, not his children, just boys and girls to abuse, and still not being able to father a son, well, he needed an alibi. Therefore, he is claiming that rather than being an impotent sexual predator, his victims were so dazzled by his sexual prowess that they all quickly reached sexual climax, precluding another little mo. That's how twisted he is. Hmm. Being a prophet has nothing to do with making up stories or providing ridiculous answers to meaningless questions. A prophet reveals things which are unknown to uh, people at the time and which prove to be accurate at a later date. So you can either tell, as Moshe did, the order of creation and the timing of creation or you can do as Yashaya and Dod have done and predict the future. That is the antithesis of the game being played here. As for Abdullah ben Salam, the name itself is incredulous. Abd is from the Hebrew abed. It means slave or servant. And Abdallah is from Abd and Allah, and therefore means slave or servant of Allah. The name Allah was unknown to the Jews. Further, in Hebrew, Allah means to curse and to swear a lamentable oath. Returning to Muhammad's ever-changing creation tale, we discover a talking planet. Sabadi 192. Allah said to the heavens and earth, come willingly or unwillingly. Uh, They said, we come willingly. Allah said to the heavens, cause my sun, my moon, and my stars to rise. To the earth, he said, split open your rivers and bring forth fruit. (laughs) Both replied, "We, we come willingly. It's one thing for Muhammad and Allah to be in contention for dumbest prophet and God duo of all time. But 
Surely <laughs> not every Muslim is this foolish. Ah, yeah, but then again, mm-hmm. unlike the sun, the moon, and stars, they did not come along willingly. At, uh, at this point, we are using Tabari as our primary source of Islamic scripture. Well, he quotes traditions from Ibn Ishaq Hisham, uh, aborted, uh, or should I say abrogated this portion, it's a good Muslim word, abrogated this portion of Muhammad's hadith from the original collection. You know the reason that Hisham said, I had to eliminate a goodly number of oral reports from Muhammad and his companions? Yeah, because they were too embarrassing. Now, if the ones he eliminated were too embarrassing, and these are the ones that he left, can you you even imagine how bad they had to be? That said, Um, I will continue to include Quran quotations within the Tabari narrative, uh, peppering this whole discussion with some Bukhari uh, hadith. And let's face facts. Even though Muslims want to draw a distinction between the idiocy of the Quran and the stupidity of the Sunnah, there actually isn't any difference between them, other than the hadith are more credible because they provide the names of those responsible for their transmission. The oral reports in the Hadith and the Quran were initially spoken by the same individual at the same moment in time. And they were transmitted through these same people in the same way, mouth to ear, through four generations prior to being written down. It is impossible, therefore, for the Quran to be more credible than the Hadith under these circumstances. If Muhammad and his followers are to be trusted, everything that is Islam crumbles if you rid the religion of the Hadith or try to separate its credibility from the Quran. This is a house built out of a deck of cards comprised entirely of jokers. Mm. Next, Muhammad takes us through a spiritual debate on what was created first. The body, one, 198. I heard Muhammad say, the first thing that was created by Allah was the pen. <laughs> and really? Allah said to it, yeah, write. And it proceeded <laughs> at that very hour to write whatever is going to be. This is an essential insight into Islam submission. Religion is entirely fatalistic. There is no choice. Everything is predestined. Whatever was going to be, would be. And that makes Muhammad's perverse life, his toxic words, the Quran and Allah, a colossal waste of time. Everybody's fate is sealed. Don't go off and rape plunder, and kill on behalf of a God when your fate was sealed before you were born. This is the inverse of the Torah, where we're given the choice to accept Yahweh or reject him. Free will is so pervasive throughout God's testimony that the cohortative, imperative, and juicive moods serve to express volition in first, second, and third person. 
The reason for this is that love cannot be compelled, and the purpose of creation is to raise a family. Now, returning to the pen. If it was created first, what did it write upon? What language do you suppose it wrote? Was it some form of Akkadian and cuneiform? After all, the stylus was produced the first written language on planet Earth, or was it Egyptian hieroglyphics, <coughs> which appeared next? Or could it have been Hebrew, the first phonetic alphabet, and the language of Yahweh's revelation to humankind? Nabataean is also a viable option, and that Petra had been their capital. That's where Muhammad grew up. Mm-hmm. Although mm-hmm. by this time, Latin was on the decline, and Greek was on the rise. Nope. According to Allah, it was Arabic, even though it, as a derivative of Hebrew, didn't exist prior to the late 7th century. Alas, it was a miracle. Quran 46.002. And before it, the book of Musa was a guide. And this is a book verifying in the Arabic language. Arabic aside, are Muslims completely incapable of thinking? How can the Quran have been written by the pen before anything was created, including the earth and humankind, and even for that matter, the book of Musa? How can the book of Musa be written before it if the pen wrote the Quran before the earth was created. Boy, these folks need a fact checker. That is a logical impossibility. Moreover, rather than verifying the Torah, Muhammad, Allah, and the pen managed to contradict it in every imaginable way. Also, as I've mentioned previously, the Torah was written on a scroll Books did not exist prior to the 4th century CE. If it is a book, it had to come after the 4th century. Prior to the 4th century, for a period of about 6 centuries, man had advanced, I don't know if it's an advancement, I don't actually think it's a digression, but had digressed from parchment scrolls to papyrus codices. Mm-hmm. For parchment Codices are vastly less enduring than is a papyrus scroll. And so the progression was, uh, initially, man, man chisel, word, and stone. That, that's how it all began. Chisel, word, and stone. Then we have stylus, press, stick into mud brick. Mm-hmm. After that, you have Yahweh telling Moshe and all of his prophets, I want you to write this down on a scroll. Following that, starting about uh, 100 to 200 BCE, we begin to integrate papyrus codices. And then come about 400 uh, CE, uh, paper is invented and the first books were written. So, there could not have been a book of Musa. Now, 
you might think that's a minor point, but Not this really. guy is pretending to be God. If I know it, don't you think he should have known it? You think. You think. At this point, I have overwhelmingly prevailed in uh, this ongoing debate against Allah, even though we are just beginning, because we have thus far provided unassailable evidence that his Quran and Hadith uh, are untrue. All that is left now is faith and that which has been proven false. However, to be fair, uh, I'm not bragging that we have prevailed in this debate against Allah because, quite frankly, we are arguing against a pair of nincompoops. (laughs) But since it only gets worse from here, uh, for the sake of its victims, let's continue to beat this lifeless camel. Following the world's ignorant, irrational, and immoral reaction to the demonic display of Islam on October 7th, 2023, I can't think of anything more important or beneficial way to invest our time. We need to take the sting out of Islam. Allah is insistent that he created Arabic long before its time and that the Quran was the most important thing he conceived Quran thirty nine twenty seven. Lo, verily, we have coined for a man in this Quran every kind of parable and similitude in order that they might receive admonition, which is a warning. A Quran in Arabic without any crookedness that they may ward off, take heed and do their duty at the snake. Well, the opposite is true. There are so many parables, by contrast, included within Yahweh's testimony. There is a collection called Mashal Proverbs and Parables. In the Quran, there are few, uh, if any, and none with any redeeming value. If we were to define crookedness, of course, as criminal behavior, inaccuracies, immorality, irrationality, contradictions, plagiarism, then the Quran is so rife with them that it ceases to exist without them. Mm-hmm. And the truth be known, both Quran and Arabic, gets this, are Hebrew words. Mm-hmm. The first is from Kara, meaning to read and recite, and the second is from Arab, to be twisted and obnoxious. Clearly, Satan would not have made either claim if he had thought that Muslims would ever be smart enough to hold him accountable for these delusions. Oh, Oh, and be advised, as before, the words added in the parentheses, which are a little hard for you to see as part of this radio program, but I can guess they are really there, are the terms that the pen omitted writing the Quran, but which most capable Arab uh, translators recognized were required to communicate effectively. These words are not included in the Arabic original. Therefore, Allah's grammar was as deficient as was his grasp on reality. 
And well, I would really like to move on to Allah's next errant claim about his book of similitudes. I'd like to embarrass him a little further before we move on. Allah makes an attempt at a parable. In the very next statement, Quran 39.29, Allah coineth a similitude. A man owned by many partners disputing with one another and a man belonging to one master. Are those two equal in comparison? All praises are due to Allah. Nay, most of them are ignorant. Verily, you will die, and they will die. <laughs> Allah be praised. That may be the worst parable ever. Okay. The surah is so incriminating. Let's let Allah continue to expose himself, especially since there is a creation attestation within the surah. Islam's humble one said, Quran 39.001. The revelation of this book is from Allah, the Almighty, the All-Wise. We have revealed to you the scripture with exactitude. So worship Allah exclusively by being religious. Surely, religion is for Allah only. And those who take associates and partners beside him say, we worship them only that they might bring us near unto Allah. Lo, Allah will judge between them concerning what wherein they differ. Verily, Allah does not guide him upright who is a liar and ingrate. Oh. Well, that was one true yeah. sentence in there. Religion is for Allah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, we've got. Yeah, occasionally, he finds a nugget. If if the Quran is exacting, then I need to know why there are so many glaring contradictions. How can Allah demand worship and religion while claiming to be the God of the Torah, since Yahweh is vehemently opposed to both? Hmm. No, but I'll grant you. D is correct. Religion is for Allah. <laughs> it certainly doesn't serve anyone else. As we consider the ungod's next statement, it's relevant to know that Yahweh has a beloved son, his firstborn, Lord David. He is the exemplar of the covenant. And by fulfilling Pesach and Matzah, he became the beneficiary of Bakudim and Shabuah. Even recognizing how well Moshe and Yahweh collaborated, God's ultimate partner has been and will continue to be his beloved son, Dode. So Allah is both jealous and threatened, knowing that upon the Messiah's return, he will be unceremoniously dispatched to Sheol, hell. Although it will be a jihadist reunion, a time to brag about those they raped and enslaved, mutilated, and murdered. Allah, by the way, that uh, also means that Yahweh endorses my plans to quarantine Islam. (laughs) His place of quarantine just so happens to be Sheol, which in English might be translated hell. Allah also 
wanted to counter the rising popularity of Christianity. So he rebuffed the myth that Jesus was the Son of God by saying, Quran 39.4, Had Allah desired to take a son, he could have chosen whom he pleased out of those he created. But glory be to him, he is Allah, the one, the irresistible. Those who have read about the rise and fall of Satan in Yahshua, Isaiah 14, they not only recognize the speaker, they see the Lord of Babel fulfilling this promise, this prophecy in these words. I promised a creation account so low, verily, here it is. He has created the heavens and the earth with the truth. He folds the day up over the night, and he folds the night up over the day. He has subjugated the sun and the moon, each running, in parentheses, on a fixed course, for an appointed term, lo, verily. He is the Almighty, the Forgiver. He created you from a single being, in parentheses, person. Then, from that, he made its mate. And he has provided for you of eight kind of cattle. He created you in the wombs of your mothers, creation after creation, in a threefold gloom, three veils of darkness, such is Allah your Lord. His is the kingdom. There is no other God but he. How then are you turned away? May I count the ways? How is this convincing? So, first question I have is, when does the maid come in and change the sheets, recognizing that they are being folded around the world? And is this a revolving folding, progressing around the planet as it spins? Or is Allah advancing a flat earth theory to accommodate the flattened sheets? Uh-huh. It would be interesting to know how Allah defines truth, by the way. Perhaps it is folded up as the night swallows the day. Check out. Pagan gods of yesteryear were said to have harnessed and subjugated the sun and the moon. And they all had something in common with Allah. They were not real either. But at least Allah is staying fit by jogging alongside his least celestial slaves. In this iteration of Let's Make Man, Allah has dispensed with the coagulated blood and the nufa drops. Now, you all may not be familiar with coagulated blood or nutfa drops, so since that was in a previous chapter, I'll just kind of bring you up to speed. Coagulated blood is when uh, Allah first, well, it was not Allah, but a, a dark demon, first met Muhammad when he was out being religious. He went into a cave above Petra uh, on, uh, on these religious rituals. And in there, this dark spirit told him, demanded that he read. Yeah, he was illiterate. So Muhammad said, I don't know how to read. At which point, the dark spirit pummeled him and said, read. And he said, but, but I don't know how to read. I don't care. Read. And each time, the dark spirit would harass him all the more and literally pressed him to the point of death. 
unfortunately, not quite far enough. And then this dark spirit said, read in the name of your Lord, based upon what the pen writes, that man was created out of coagulated blood. Mom was so impressed with his first experience with, uh, with uh, Allah that the first thing in his mind was to say, I have been demon-possessed, and he tried to throw himself off the mountain and commit suicide. I recall my first meeting with Yahweh, and that was not my reaction. Right. Now, that explains coagulated blood. But what is a nutfa drop? Uh, nutfa drop oh, is, no. uh, is, yeah, it's a male and female uh, discharge, to use uh, Allah's terms. And that, so the second iteration is man was created from uh, nutfa drops. So this time, however, however, this time, we have a different explanation. We're going to get our act together. This time, man was created from another man. It's another miracle of the Quran because Allah is always looking for a way to devalue women. But but just perhaps I have this all wrong. What if... Contradictions and inaccuracies aside, Allah, instead of being dumb as a stone, is a genius. Do you suppose the Islamic Adam was a hermaphrodite, an unknown condition back in the day? Or was Allah predicting the rise of sexual dysmorphia among progressives and the non-binary excitement over the rise in transgender? Uh, No, I don't think so. In reality, I am doing my best to say if I practice, just keep up with Elia one day. I hope to get good good at this. Practice makes perfect, I'm told. In reality, and and listen, (laughs) I I did everything I could, kicking and screaming, telling, uh, I I really don't want to go back and rewrite uh, Prophet of Doom. I really don't like Islam. It's really dark and demented. Uh, I'd like to prove which time Allah, in fact, the only time I can ever recall Allah actually being, uh, Yahweh being stern with me. Yahweh said, uh, you know, uh, I've taken care of you. You take care of my people. Uh, come on. Um, you can uh, you can get about uh, doing this. And now that I'm in it, I'm exceedingly grateful for a number of reasons. One is uh, I had uh, um, Christian references and the first version of it. I'm really embarrassed. I mean, it's, yes, it was 20 two years ago, but ugh, all that time I hadn't reread the book. And so uh, seeing them, I was horrified and I am so pleased to have this opportunity to correct uh, my mistake and to get them out. My comments mm-hmm. on Islam were all true. These weren't harsh enough. And also the difference is that I understand Yahweh so much better and his Torah and prophets so much better. And I've come to understand the adversary so much better that you know, I'm yeah. now able to see through all of this, and sure. we can really go right at the jugular. If a snake, in fact, has a jugular, but we can go right after this uh, this serpent. And and the other thing that has transpired since that time is I barely knew what Elia was about 22 years ago. If he had told me, I'd you know, I'd say yeah, I was one of the prophets, but I, I wouldn't have known squat. Now Elia's story of uh, of going after the the uh, prophets of uh, Baal of the Lord and, uh, and Asherah 
is is my absolute favorite story. And he is sarcastic uh, to uh, beat the camel. He is really funny. And so now yeah. uh, knowing that, um, uh, we're taking this approach because I am certain this is precisely what Yahweh would have us do. So yeah. in reality, the whole the sperm meets egg thing was obviously a little advanced for Allah. And the notion of a ungod in the wombs of our mothers to create us is, well, creepy. And Allah seems to agree, referring to his time in the womb of our mothers as a threefold gloom veiled in darkness, such is our Lord, ever the micromanager. It's a wonder he isn't worn out, especially without any partners to whom he can delegate. The odd reference to eight kinds of cows was evidently a, a puzzler for the brain trust of Islam. It sent them into a frenzy of possibilities. So the noble Quran inserted of the sheep to male and female, of the goats to male and female, of the oxen to male and female, and of the camels to male and female. Can you imagine sending one of those folks to go milk the cow <laughs> and what they might come back with? Uh, well, anyway, it's, it's handy to know. Uh, had we not figured it out, we might have, uh, well, stumbled upon this. Quran 007. If you are thankless and a rejecter, then verily low, Allah is independent of you. He likes not ingratitude from his slaves. And if you are grateful, he is pleased therewith for you. No bearer of burdens shall bear the burden of another. Turn to your Lord is your return, so he will tell you what you used to do. Lo, he is the all-knower of that which is in breaths. And in parentheses they write, of men. Hell forbid we become thankless rejectors. Allah would be done with his ungrateful slaves and the world would be independent of Islam. But a word of caution, how would the world manage to pay the unemployment benefits of a million idle terrorists? At first glance, I wrote off the line, no bearer of burdens shall bear the burden of another. Turn to your Lord is your return, so he will tell you what you used to do. I just thought it's another word salad. Mm -hmm. But perhaps not. On the matzah, on matzah, which is unyeasted bread, Dode's soul was burdened with the guilt of every covenant member, carrying it off, mm -hmm. depositing mm -hmm. it in Sheol, never to be seen again. This makes us appear perfect in Yahweh's eyes. So the adversary is denying this, knowing that there is no other means to salvation. Instead of our guilt vanishing, Satan is claiming that he will see it. But quite possible, because he's going to be there too, right there in hell. And he is claiming that men cannot avoid joining him there. Well, there will be a lot of Muslims. Now, it is uh, on to the surah of the jihadist Abu Bu, 
when some hurt touches man. He cries to his Lord, turning to him, but when he bestows a favor on him, he forgets what we prayed for before and sets up others as friends and partners and as rivals to Allah in order to mislead from his way. Say, take pleasure and advantage of your belief and rejection for a little while. You will be among the inmates of the fire. Is the one who is obedient to Allah prostrating himself or standing during the hours of the day, fearing the hereafter and hoping for the mercy of his Lord? The second half of the of the this or that say are those who are who know equal with those who know not it is only they think who are wise say oh my slave who believe be afraid of your lord and keep your duty to him good is for those who do good in this world and spacious is allah's earth Only those who are patient will receive the reward, measureless, and wages without stint, which means ungenerous and inadequate. But I have to ask, what favor? More cows or a more entertaining experience in the fire? Ah, yes, indeed. It is the pleasure of knowing that hell awaits. In the matter of obedience prostrations, and fear, Yahweh and Allah are opposites. Yahweh asks us to be observant, to walk with him, and to respect him. Allah, however, is hell's word. Yahweh liberated his people from slavery, and Allah wants to enslave them all over again. Methinks that they might be at cross-purposes. You may have noticed that the ninth verse, I tried to point this out as I was sharing it with you, that Allah sets up a comparison, but then he forgot to provide the alternative. To resolve this omission in the perfect recital, the Pictal translators added to be accounted as equal with a disbeliever, and who said Allah didn't have partners. (laughs) Well, dare we press ahead. 3911 says, say, I am commanded to worship Allah with obedience, all exclusive for him. And I am commanded to be the first of those who submit as Muslims. How is that possible if Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moshe were supposed to be Muslims? Say, If I disobey my Lord, I fear the punishment of an evil day. Say, I worship Allah, making my religion all exclusive for him in my obedience. So worship what you like besides him. Say, the losers are those who lose themselves and their families on the day of of resurrection. Verily, that will be a manifest lost. For the losers. They will have layers of fire covering above them and a covering beneath them. But this Allah, with this, Allah does frighten his slaves.
O my slaves, fear me. Disgusting. Having enjoyed, it is just disgusting. It is, it's demonic. Yeah. And yet, two billion people are convinced that Satan is their God. Having enjoyed the past 22 years working alongside my Heavenly Father, Yahweh, I uh, have never appreciated him more than at this moment of great contrast. Religions like Islam create gods in their founder's image. They use fear to induce obedience and compliance, even worship. Afraid, the masses submit, not knowing that their god is actually the devil in drag. Everyone loses, including God. Well, that's as much of this particular sir as I can handle. So let's move on. Islam, the pinnacle of uh, creation, isn't life. No, it isn't. It is a deadly diatribe, a scripture book, wherein the verses are explained in detail, a Quran in Arabic for people who have knowledge. Yes, that's the pinnacle of Allah's creation, not life. Not a covenant. Nope. It's a scripture book whose verses are explained in detail. A Quran in Arabic. Scripture happens to be from the Latin word scriptura. It means written, making scripture book verbose. More problematic for Islam, however. If such a book existed, why wasn't it provided? Why did the transmission of this jumbled mess necessitate an illiterate man living among unlettered people before the written form of this language even existed? And even then, why claim to give it to people who already have knowledge, especially when the opposite is now evident? Truth and lives are often found in the details, and this is one of the places where the Quran is the most efficient. As an example, consider how many relevant details were omitted from the following Quran citation based upon all of the parenthetical comments, which I will highlight, that were added by Allah's little helpers. This is Quran 41:44. Had we sent this as a Quran, parenthetical, in the language other than Arabic, they would have said, why are not its verses explained in detail? What? In parentheses. A foreign tongue, a book, into parentheses. Not in Arabic and a, in parentheses, messenger, into parentheses. An Arab? Say, parentheses, unto them, Muhammad, into parentheses. It is a guide to those who believe, and for those who do not believe it, there is a deafness in their ears and a blindness in their... Oh, he forgot the last word. But the <laughs> translators put in parentheses, eyes. The first to hear this verbal diarrhea spew out of Muhammad's mouth recognized that his ungod dispensed with cogent explanations. Nonetheless, that deficiency was mitigated 
by compelling dialogue. What? Not in Arabic and an Arab? (laughs) And the accusations are particularly astute. For those who do not believe it, there is a definite in their ears, and it is blindness in their... Well, who can argue with that? Back in the real world, (laughs) rational presentations of useful information are organized by context, subject, or chronology. These approaches are essential to understanding, which is why I'm reordering the Quran's message chronologically and then setting it into the context of Muhammad's repulsive life. To further understanding, at the conclusion of Goddamn Religion, I've then rearranged all of this material for you by subject. In this way, I overcome the Quran's failure to provide a cogent explanation. At the time this was allegedly revealed, around 600 CE, less than 1% of the planet spoke Arabic, and no one wrote it. And those who spoke it would have been the least prepared to process this or any book. Moreover, what is the value of a divine revelation if it cannot be translated and communicated effectively to all mankind? Recognizing these things, including the deplorable grammar, Quran 41:44 is incomprehensible. And perhaps that is why Satan provided a handy excuse. For those who do not believe it, there is deafness in their ears and blindness in their, um, well, whatever that other sensory organ is called that is used <laughs> to process illuminated images. Tamari 1.199, I heard the prophet say, the first thing created by Allah was the pen. Allah said to it, write. The pen asked, what shall I write? Allah replied, what is predestined? Should we give Muhammad a pass on the talking pen, since it makes as much sense as a talking earth? It begs the question, if the pen knew all that was predestined, why didn't it know what Allah, Allah wanted it to do? Mm. Beyond the Lord. anthropomorphic implements bowing to Allah's will, there is no point to any of this and thus to Islamic terrorism. If the pen wrote what is predestined. Moreover, the previous claims regarding verifying the Torah are proven false by this absurdity. Yes, I realize that religious advocates over the years have agreed with Allah from the Essenes, Gnostic, and Christians, including Calvin and Machiavelli, but a real God should have known better. Al-Tabari interjected to protest Tabari, 1.202 in his own words. There are people who consider predestination untrue. Then they consider the Quran untrue. People merely carry out what is a foregone conclusion decided by predestination and written down by the pen. For Al-Tabari to have written this in Baghdad in the 9th century means that educated Persians recognized that the claims of predestination alone were sufficient to reject Muhammad, Allah, the Quran, and Islam. I am not the first to bring this reality to light. 
Fortunately, the Quran is wrong, and it does matter what we choose to do. While we have the opportunity, I have chosen to expose and condemn Muhammad and Allah, Islam and the Quran, to protect Jews from the onslaught of Muslims. I have repudiated the myths of Christianity, Judaism, and progressives to liberate the indoctrinated from these curses. In addition, I have written a score of books sharing and explaining Yahweh's testimony to his people so that they might live fulfilling lives. I think those are intelligent choices. Worthy endeavors. Moreover, if Yahweh asked if I'd be willing, I simply agreed free will and all. It's hard to imagine wallowing in such stupidity, but nonetheless, the Quran has a surah named after and devoted to the pen. It's the 68th, and in it, the pen is a witness. 68.1, I call to witness the pen and what it inscribes. Without the hadith, you wouldn't know what the pen, the non-god, was talking about, was actually doing. So thankfully, we have been diligent and have not left you in the lurch, grasping at straws to make sense of this. You now know all there is to know about the pen. The second verse is delicious, and I'm going to share it with you, and we're going to say that for those who are listening online, uh, this episode is going to end. For those who are listening by phone, uh, you will be able to continue to hear us as we progress a while longer. And for the 99% of you that listen to the archives, uh, this portion of the program will continue to record. So the Lord was possessed to tell his lone nonprofit, 68002, you are not demented. Demon possessed or mad. (laughs) I'm glad the false God cleared that up since all evidence was to the contrary. However, keeping it real, (laughs) the the only reason that Muhammad and his pet rock would say such things is to refute the obvious. Anyone with half a brain listening to this would have immediately recognized that the non-profit was demented, likely demon-possessed, and completely insane. Hmm. Afforded free will, they would have run away as quickly as possible. This statement continues with, there is surely an unending reward for you. Oh, yes, indeed. (laughs) Well, actually, that's not totally accurate unless you define reward in a slightly different way. Uh, While Muhammad did cash in on 75 terrorist raids that uh, he conducted from Yathrib, he would die a very painful death. And I will personally assure that Muhammad spends his eternity in Sheol, hell, as recompense for these crimes against humanity. It's telling that Muhammad's name is only mentioned four times in the Quran, but you didn't know that. The first is in no. Quran. 3144, where Allah confirms that his messenger boy was indeed a non-prophet, something which should have been obvious. Muhammad was only a messenger. Many were the messengers that passed away before him. 
if he died or was slain, will ye then turn back on your heels? If any did turn back on his heels, not the least harm will he do to Allah. Therefore, if only a messenger, Muhammad could not be as Muslims present him. Also interesting is that this presents two hypotheticals that are not possible under predestination. But why be consistent when playing God? It's so limiting for the pretense of being the Almighty. <laughs> not surprising, the demotion Allah afforded his nonprofit was embarrassing for a man who was claiming to be better than Moses and Dode. Conveniently, therefore, Allah dispensed with consistency and contradicted himself in the very next occasion. He is recorded protesting, Muhammad is not the father of any of your men, but the messenger of Allah and the seal of the prophets, and Allah has full knowledge of all things. (laughs) A sensible being, the proof of a prophet might be accurate prophecy, but Allah doesn't play by those rules. In Allah's case, the seal was a hairy mole on Muhammad's back. (laughs) Who would dare disagree with a (laughs) know-it-all? The third mention of the mighty Muhammad is found in Quran 47.2. At least they're randomly spaced. And equally stupid because the Islamic God forgot that uh, what he had revealed to Dr. Truth. It reads, but those who believe and work deeds of righteousness and believe in the sent down to Muhammad, for it is the truth from their Lord. He will remove them from their ills and improve their condition. I'm beating a gimpy camel here, but nonetheless... There cannot be a conditional clause under the auspices of predestination. And while I cannot speak for you, I prefer my gods to be literate. Moving moving on to the fourth and final iteration of Muhammad in the text of the Quran, we find the following, Quran 48.29, drumroll please, Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. And those who are with him are strong against the unbelievers, compassionate among each other. Thou wilt see them bow and prostrate themselves, seeking grace from Allah and his good. On their faces are the marks, the traces of their prostrations. This is the similitude in the Torah. And their similitude is in the gospel, is like a reed which sends forth its blade, and then makes it strong. It then becomes thick, and it stands on its own stem, the sowers with wonder and delight. As a result, it... You're just not following along, Kirk. As a result, it it fills the unbelievers with rage at them. All a promise among those of them who believe and do right, deeds, forgiveness, and a great reward. How are you going to get your reward, Kirk, if you can't follow along? <laughs> it, it, it begins accurately enough 
Muhammad was, in fact, the messenger of Allah. The, the problem is that Allah was Muhammad's alter ego and thus not God. The promise is also untrue. Islam is penal and that it would be hard to find a religion that is more retarding. Well, at least apart from Hasidic Judaism. Although, to be fair, they are based on the same Talmud. It is also true that Muslims bow down and prostrate themselves. Mooning God is a central plank of their religion. And this, no doubt, pleases Satan no end. However, this similitude cannot be found in the Torah, which we will assume is the Torah. Yahweh never asked anyone to bow down before him. And when someone makes this mistake, he politely asked them to stand. There is, however, one command to bow found in Yeshi Isaiah, where those who are being judged will be humiliated in this way. Now, as for their similitude in the gospel, there is more than one of them and they are not even remotely accurate. And while they do not call for prostrations to claim that that which is false, uh, and if you're claiming that which is false, well, that means that you're admitting being dishonest. And while it Mm -hmm. is a minor point among more revealing ones, when God speaks of seeds growing strong, it is never in reference to grass, which is fleeting and fades. Moreover, The transition from the untenable position that the Torah and Gospels convey the same message on prostration and that the Gospel message strengthens, it is incongruous to say, as a result, it fills the unbelievers with rage at them. If it was the same message, why would they be enraged? Well, I have presented all four mentions of Muhammad. Allah apparently had a senior moment. He forgot his name in Quran 61.6. But that was hardly his only mistake, since there was also no Jesus, and Allah mistakenly called the myth of Jesus Esau, which is Esau, who is the person that Yahweh designated individually that he hated. There was no Mary either, and it would have been impossible for a mythical misnomer in the first century CE to have uttered the name of a god whose name would not become known until the 7th century. Nonetheless, this is what we uh, read during Allah's senior moment, which he blames on Jesus. And remember, uh, Jesus, which is written as Isa in the text, the son of Mary, who didn't exist, and whose name actually means embittered and contentious, said, O children of Yisrael, I am the messenger of Allah to you, confirming the law before me and giving glad tidings of a messenger to come after me, whose name shall be Ahmad. But when he came with the clear signs, they said, this is evident sorcery. Well, not to worry. Ahmad. At least Allah got the Mod part right. <laughs> there, there were likely Christians in Petra and perhaps even in Yathrib in the 7th century. And since Muhammad was envious of the claims they made of their God, and since they 
had uh, uh, failed in convincing, uh, Muhammad had failed in convincing the Jews in Arabia that he was their Messiah, Muhammad, I mean, excuse me, Ahmad, needed to uh, cut the myth of Isa, I, excuse me again, I mean Jesus, down to size, which in his case would have been really puny. Although, once again, we find an occasional nugget of truth in the Quranic diatribe. In this case, they said, this is evidence sorcery. Frankly, it's obvious. And if I may, there were never signs, clear or otherwise, to validate any of this. Moving past the man who would be God, we find the following Bukhari hadith confirms uh, Islam's lack of choice and Muhammad's dearth of prophetic credentials. This is uh, Bukhari, uh, volume 4, book 55, number 549, in case you want to put it on your refrigerator and, and have it properly credentialed. All is possible, the true and truly inspired said, what a wonderful, auspicious beginning. As it relates to your creation, every one of you is collected in the womb of his mother for the first 40 days. Then he becomes a clot for another 40 days, and then a piece of flesh for another 40 days. A four-month gestation isn't even half right. Uh, nor is the process. Then Allah sends an angel to write four words. He writes his deeds, time of death, means of livelihood, and whether he will be wretched or blessed. Well, thank you, Dr. Muhammad. You are truly inspired. Allah's time in the womb of our mothers, miraculously conceiving children in Quran 39.6, wasn't wasted on you. And you even managed to work in a nifty explanation of predestination for the half-baked children of Islam. Scribbling on, the pen gathers rivals for its pole position in the race of creation. Tabari 1204, I asked the prophet, where was Allah before his creation? Muhammad replied, he was in a cloud with no air underneath it. Or above it. Yeah, uh, last time I checked, uh, a cloud was comprised of water suspended and air. But Muhammad <laughs> knows best. Okay. Then Allah uh, created His throne upon the water. If there were clouds, water, and a throne, how did the pen come first? And if I may ask, how could there have been a cloud and water before the earth was created? And just checking, isn't HTO comprised of two of the most of the many gases that are comprising our atmosphere? Mm-hmm. I'm sure the nonprofit will clear this up for us. Little patience, please. So let's listen to a hadith from one of his companions. Like so many traditions, this one is found in both Tabati and Bukhari. Quite the stamp of approval it has. Well, Some yeah. people... Yeah, some people, unlike you, Kirk, you just, I think you'd mess this whole thing up, came to the messenger and entered his presence and said, give us gifts. <laughs> Muhammad's militants were mercenaries after all. The prophet bribed his way to prosperity. This continued until it annoyed him. Uh, then they left. 
Some other people came in and said, we have come to greet the messenger of Allah and to become knowledgeable about the religion and ask the beginning of the world. He said, Allah existed while there was nothing else. His throne was upon the water and all that was going to be was written on the memorial tablet before anything else was created. Then Allah created the seven heavens. Just then, someone came and said, that camel of yours is gone. I went and found that she was out of sight. I surely wish that I would have let her go so that I would not have missed the rest of the prophet's remarks. Okay, let's see if I understand this. The pen was created first, but before it was created, Allah created the throne in a cloud without air. The throne was on the water, which was yet to be created. Then we had writing on a tablet, which had yet to be made, so that Allah could tell us that there are seven heavens, which were created before or after the earth, depending on which version you believe. Yeah, bottom line, the camel's gone. That's about all we know for sure. What's funny is that he thinks he could undo that if it was predestined. Well, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So be it. Oh, so be it. You <laughs> the Bukhari version of the runaway camel ends with this insight into how Muhammad conveyed his uh, uh, inspired revelations and how they were ultimately retrained and passed along as scripture. Mm. This one is also uh, suitable for framing uh, version or volume four, book 54, number 414. Uh, on the day the prophet stood up amongst us for a long period and he formed us about the beginning of creation. He talked about everything in detail. He ended his speech by mentioning how the people of paradise will enter the garden and how the people of hell will enter the fire. Some remembered what he had said. Well, some of us forgot. <laughs> Muhammad's fellow oh, well. thieves and terrorists we're the only ones, we're not the only ones who had trouble remembering this stuff. Bukhari um, says this. The prophet said, it is a bad thing that some of you say, I have forgotten such and such a verse of the Quran. For truly, I have been caused by Allah to forget it. So you must keep reciting the Quran because it escapes faster than a runaway camel. <laughs> there, there. There you have it, folks. That, that is Islam. And it is good to know that camels have an aversion to the Quran as well. I'm gaining a newfound respect for the yeah. lumpy and grumpy, spitting, uh, humped beast. Such memories were fleeting, to be fair. I say we give Muhammad another chance. Surely he'll straighten all of this out. After all, two billion people trust this man with their souls and many of them actually kill for him when Allah wanted to create the heavens and earth he grabbed a fistful of small rocks in the water then he opened his fist with the small rock and they rose in the form of smoke then Allah fashioned the seven heavens and extended the earth in two days 
He finished the creation on the seventh day. He created the footstool after the pen and then the throne. Thereafter, he created the air and darkness. And then he created the water and placed his throne upon it. He was in the cloud with no air underneath or above it. Thus, the messenger reported. So uh, that explains it. Makes perfect (laughs) sense. Muhammad was making this all up as he went along. And he was as dim-witted as the black stone representing his God. So I ask you, since it's this obvious that his scripture was contrived, what else do you suppose that Muhammad made up as he went along? Allah and Islam, perhaps? And that's really the point. The more you're exposed to Muhammad and his religion, the more you will come to understand the nature and the purpose of Islam. There are two reasons I'm sharing these inane and contradictory Islamic creation accounts. First, I promised that we'd start at the beginning and cover Muhammad's creation of Islam chronologically, starting with his vision and versions of the world's beginnings. And we will go step by step through his corruption of Adam, of Noah, and Abraham to see how he misused the patriarchs to establish his dogma. And second, I want you to know Muhammad and Allah, to see them as they really are. Each time they propose things which are logically impossible, contradictory, or twisted, you'll be able to judge their sincerity, validity, and veracity. Now, that's probably a decent place for us to stop this uh, program for this evening. My uh, wife handed me a uh, a note, which I I should probably read. She says, Israel announced global travel warning for all Jewish citizens. Rethink Mm -hmm. travel. Avoid outward signs of Jewish identity. Coming from the prime minister's office. It is open season Mm -hmm. on Jews. I told you that October 7th of 2023 is the day the world changed forever. And for Jews, it is the day that they are being marshaled towards the second Holocaust. And the events that played out on October 7th and the subsequent turning of the world against them for simply trying to defend themselves is going to grow so much worse. And there is no solution. Literally none other than to come to accept Yahweh, to return to Yahweh, to accept the terms and conditions of the covenant, and to attend the Mikre as they were intended. To recognize that it is Yahweh and his son Dod who are returning, the Messiah, on Yom Kippurim in year 6000 Yah on October 7th, 2nd, 2033. I want you to be there to celebrate the family reunion with them. That is the only way to survive this. And the only way we can slow down the onslaught is to expose and condemn the actual disease that caused the events of October 7th. And that isn't Tomas. 
it's Islam. Well, I thank you for listening. Happy Shabbat. I hope I've managed to keep you somewhat entertained as we go through this dark and uh, absurd religion. I'm certainly trying my best to to find the humor in it uh, because I need to get readers through and listeners through these early chapters because once we turn to Yathrib and Muhammad declares war on all humankind and, and starts decapitating Jews and enslaving their children and raping their women, uh, it just never stops. It is just a constant barrage of what the world witnessed on October 7th. It began then and it has not ended. And so the best we can hope is to mock Muhammad and Allah uh, to the point that when they declare jihad on the world, everyone knows that they're a fraud. Well, thank you for listening. <clears throat> Have a wonderful Shabbat. You too. May the best be to Israel as they try uh, to eradicate uh, Hamas from the uh, the planet. And. May they survive this onslaught of anti-Semitism that is engulfing the world. We will certainly do everything in our power, risking our reputations and our lives to serve Yahweh's people and to awaken them at this time. May Yahweh bless. Good night. Good night, Joe. Good night.